Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, an energy worker, and also a channel. I do readings, consultations. I do tutoring. Uh, there's a ton of channeled audio as well as astro astrology audio and classes and energetically programmed crystals to help you make changes for the better at tdjacobs.com. I've had this topic on my mind for, I want to say two, two and a half months. And it, I was just in the kitchen one day and I, and I had this, um, honestly, a kind of very small, almost nagging thing in my head. And I was like, what, what, what is this about? What? And I realized it was a topic for a teaching or an, an audio like this, but I didn't know what it was for. I didn't understand what was going on. I just said, there's something here. And I even said to my girlfriend, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this thing that people feel and say, but is never really explored or explained or got, so there's some, there's something in there. So it's been on my mind for quite a long time. And this idea of like, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what I've been through. So this morning I figured it out. I'm up way too early. I don't even think chickens anywhere on the planet have made noises yet. I was just up early, whatever. And uh, so I ate and then I came to my office and, and was listening to podcasts. I listen regularly to PRI's The World. I have for years, uh, even before getting into podcasts, I've um, listened to it. I mean, pretty regularly. There are a couple things that come up, you know, we'll do like a, a story a day for a week at a time. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. But otherwise, I really appreciate the uh, global perspective. And uh, it's not low level, stupid consensus journalism. It's actually asking interesting questions and getting interesting answers. Um, so anyway, so I was listening to it. And there was a, um, a writer from from BuzzFeed commenting on uh, essentially an interview that I had heard from Trevor Noah, the host of The Daily Show, the, the new host after Jon Stewart left. And I'm totally inspired by Trevor Noah because he's he's biracial. He's uh, born in South, raised in South Africa, and his birth was actually illegal. His birth was against the law because his parents were of different races. And so he's recently come out with a memoir, and so he's been making the, the interview circuit on uh, NPR shows of various kinds. And so I've heard him, I think, in three different interviews, I want to say. It, or maybe I listened to one of them twice. But anyway, I really appreciate his perspective and how he talks about his experiences in another part of the world about race. And for me, that humanizes something, humanizes a level of the dialogue that we don't get, we don't always get into here because of how and systemically entrenched race is to the fabric of our daily life here for hundreds of years in, in America. I think about race all the time. And this commenter was saying, Trevor Noah just doesn't get how it works in this country. So I actually commented on uh, the page for that story about the, that summary of Trevor Noah's interview from mid-November, almost a month ago, uh, 2016. And and anyway, I've never done that before, but I was just like, I had to say something. I had to say. anyway. So then I was kind of processing that and my experience and realizing that this person, this this uh, BuzzFeed writer, uh, her last name is Obara, and she had she posted this essay on BuzzFeed about about this. So you can you can read her full comments there. But but you know she would say probably she might say that I as a Caucasoid 
don't have a voice here about race because, you know, and I realized, oh, right, there's that thing, but you don't know what we've been through. You don't know what I've experienced. So what I want to talk about today, it's kind of a long intro, but what I want to talk about today is your relationship to pain. Your, the identities you might have derived from what has happened to you. And I want to contrast that with an invitation to view your life, your experiences, your human trip, you know, as a soul living human lives from a bigger context of learning to go from pain and fear and despair and hardship into love, faith, inner security and strength, which is the arc presented by every soul to its human self in every life. So you're living according, you know, to the conditioning and the opinions of your personality. You are living through the lens of belief that has been shaped by your experiences and those of your ancestors. And a lot of that comes through when you're born into your root chakra, which is the foundation of your life, which is why people end up, you know, getting together as adults with people who are just like their parents, even if they hated the parents <laughs> or couldn't deal with whatever the energy was or the treatment. Um, and how we can't, and it's also a truth about the root chakra, we can't ever truly get away from our roots. And a lot of us do. A lot of us reject the people and places we come from or a majority of what they taught us. And then we have all kinds of issues because the foundation of our lives, the foundation is out of whack and we can't prosper and we can't participate in community effectively. We can't trust life because we perhaps couldn't trust. Okay. So anyway, let's all with the root chakra in our, in our foundation, which you can actually, I've developed this, the chakra course part one, which deals with the lower three chakras and will help you get sane. So you can check that out on the healing courses page at tdjacobs.com. It's super critical to get into the root and to be grateful for what we've been taught, even if we don't carry forward the isms or the fear that our families and communities taught us or modeled for us. So you don't know what it's like. You don't know where I've been. Don't think you know anything about me. Don't assume to know what my experience has been. This is really common. This is really prevalent. And we are shaped by our experiences and our brains that we align with. We think we are our brains and those narratives we identify with. But the brain is constantly telling stories to try to explain or justify our experience so we can either align with an identity of loved by life and supported by goddess and God or not supported and not aligned, you know, either working with what's happening or working against what's happening because the brain, the mind does not, can not ever fit like relax into a narrative that the soul actually has designed because the soul does not go out of its way to avoid you experiencing pain. As I said a bit ago, the arc of your life, like if you are alive on earth and if you're hearing this, I'm assuming you are, but of course cadres of spirits might be hearing this too. But if you are in a body on earth, it is guaranteed divine law, natural law by your soul, that is a portion of goddess and God, a part of all that is divine intelligence, divine consciousness, that you are here 
to experience the full range of human emotion. You're not here for somebody else to make you feel safe. That is absolutely not what's going on here. So I'm inviting you to always or ever increasingly <laughs> adapt to a different vision of what you are and what's happening here. So you've been shaped by experience, which necessarily involves pain because you are a soul living here and that's part of the deal. Your brain comes up with a narrative, a story about why pain happens. Now, it could be that you're, you're an idiot or you're not good enough. It could be that this person is a fuckface or a jerk or a moron or careless. It could be that life is working against you. It could be that you're never prepared enough. It could be that you should have made this decision years ago that would have resulted in this amazing, you know, uh, paradise. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, the brain, the mind, the linear logical self tells a story about why it happened. You then, if it, if that story seems logical, whether it's positive or negative, whether it's empowering or disempowering, if it seems the best logical choice, the best explanation, your brain will latch onto it and tell you it's, it is true. We'll have that be the filter through which you experience the rest of your life. At any point in time, you can change your mind, but you have to adapt to a different vision of who you are and step away from absolute identification with this, frankly, self-appointed dictator for life that is your linear logical mind. You know, when people have uh, what they call dark night of the soul experiences, the brain, the linear logical self, the mind loses its, you know, illusion that it has absolute control over reality, crisis, depression, uh, existential uh, problems, <laughs> existential crises, um, anxiety, frustration, mental breaks, heartache, heartbreak. These things can result, and more, can result from the mind losing its sense, its assumption, its illusion that it has and always will be in control. Now, the fact that your mind is not in control of everything means that you're a human on Earth, but you are not just your mind. And this is really, this is really encapsulates a great many things I could tell you that we can file under the gro the the growing pains of what is involved in human evolution right now. And that's essentially why I developed that chakra course, the, the four-part MP3, and then the other four parts, the other upper four chakras will, will come out in a few months. But you have to work with the lower three chakras to strengthen the foundation of your life so you're safe, you know you're safe in your body. You know that life is supportive. You can you know deal with relationships and what they're meant to teach you. And you can you know deal with your own choices and create self-respect to the one, two, and three chakras, respectively. Um, these identities developed from the narratives you can take only so far. You will be challenged, asked, I was going to say, but challenged by life 
to identify with a higher truth, whether that comes through a crisis, somebody, a relationship ends, a, a job implodes in your face, you find yourself out of work, out of a home, out of relationship, out of touch with people, you find yourself losing faith in life, whatever it is, you find yourself feeling crushed by a mountain of debt. Whatever it is that creates a crisis is an invitation for you to learn more about how things on earth really work. If somebody ends a relationship with you, does that mean you're not loved? If somebody fires you from a job, does that mean that you're not worth employing? Your narrative comes in to explain why things happen. And your narrative is shaped beginning with your very early life. If you have ever found yourself thinking or saying to somebody, you don't know what it's like to be me. What is really happening is you are seeing evidence that a part of you identifies as your painful experiences. Now, if it's a joyful thing, this would never happen because you'll have a level of identity because of joyful scenarios and circumstances, but you won't defend that identity against other people who seem not to know. But you, you don't know it. I'm a survivor of insert tragedy here. Insert, you know, name and description of tragedy here. Some kind of red flag, hot button thing. I'm a survivor. You don't know what that's like. So our challenge as humans is to cease identifying as our wounds and move into a spiritual, a, a more self-aware uh, spiritually conscious, I'm just giving you different ideas how to think of this, because spiritual is a loaded word, uh, but more, you know, consciousness expanding ways of viewing who we are. You know, one of the places I start with, with the definition of spirituality is, is consciousness about the fact that on earth, what's really happening is that you're a physical being and your brain this mental energy has decided that's who you truly are. And so, you know, some people have problems with the idea of, you know, dead spirits coming to communicate with you or, or, or the, you know, the existence of angels or helpful beings outside of, um, you know, floating like Jesus floating around or whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, any member of the Trinity, right. Including Jesus, uh, from the Christian mythology. Some people have problems with that stuff. Um, because, they think either this life is the only life there is because you're born, you mature, your body, you know, becomes decrepit and then you die. So there's a level of identity that your mind has attached to who you truly are. Well, you are in fact consciousness that exists across time. What's actually happening here is that everything occurs because of vibration. Accident, illness, injury, the presence of somebody who makes you feel good the absence, the, the departure of somebody who made you feel good. Same with an opportunity, a job, an experience, a connection, a group. Things come and go to reflect your vibrations to you. If you need to get over something and believe in yourself, you will manifest an opportunity that would require you to let go of not believing in yourself. Or you would draw to you, you'd manifest a relationship where somebody looks at you and sees 
the confident you. So how it really works here is about vibrational resonance. Whatever it is that you vibrate is what comes to you or doesn't come to you. You can think about this in terms of being open or closed, but it's so much more than that. It's every single one of your relationships reflects what you're vibrating. Every single one of your opportunities, you know, in my case, as a practitioner who sees individual clients, everybody who comes to me for a reading or a session contains something that I, in the session, whether it's a pre-recorded MP3 or whether I'm talking to the person live on the you know, on a web conference or in person. Every single one of them contains something that I will see in him or her that is a reflection of me. But everything in my relationship with my partner is a reflection of me. When I'm not in a relationship and can't get a date and seem like the hot potato everyone is avoiding, like the plague, like, like the hot potato plague. Uh, okay, I can mix those up. It's okay. That's reflecting something to me about what I'm vibrating. And I've had two periods that total about 10 and a half years where I've been completely not able to have a social life or date or even be touched by somebody other than my mom and a friend, like a hug. Like I've had those periods and I've struggled through those, but that reflects to me what I'm vibrating. And then somebody shows up that reflects to me what I'm vibrating, what I'm ready to incorporate or leave behind or embrace. Every single thing in your life happens that way. Now, you might say, or it might be easy for you to think about that in terms of, you know, uh, I'm, I'm interviewing for jobs and I have three offers. And gosh, I don't know which one to take. And you might call somebody like me who says, okay, what does this uh, first one seem to symbolize to you? Okay, what does the second one seem to offer you that nothing else does? You know, and the third one, what part of you? is activated that you really want to explore from that you know i'll ask you these questions and in the moment it will be easy for you to see oh right i got this lowball offer from this fantastic company that's it's actually a nonprofit, and it will be the opportunity of, you know you can kind of sort through that and say what is this offering me what opportunity in this kind of context you know is, is giving is this giving or or i have two trips i'm thinking of taking one will be reconnecting with a family member i'm not that close with the other will be reconnecting with an amazing city and an old friend who feels closer than family to me. So you got to think about that. What opportunity is there? What is it? Uh, what are the, this contrast of opportunities showing you about your values? Which will you pick? Now, so, so in this kind of present day opportunity sense, you can see how things reflect things to you. But because of the entrenched nature of the narrative of your linear logical self about why past things have happened to you, you, it's harder to be in the, the an objective uh, stance in evaluating that the past has also shown you what you vibrate. Those things that have shaped your narrative are not capital T true about the capital N nature of capital W who, capital Y you, capital R really, capital A R. <laughs> the true nature of who you really are, right? In, in, in sentence capitalization. Uh, or title or whatever it is, uh, title capitalization. That's not true about who you are. So that thing that happened to you when you were eight months old, that traumatized you. That thing that happened to you when you were six years old that really shaped your idea of, of who your parents were or what life is about. Or what, you know, pink or green people 
are about, right? Or whatever it is, or what government does, or what people do to each other. That thing that shaped you, in fact, shows you about your vibrations. This is complicated immensely by the reality that before you are uh, really having a, a discrete sense of human individuality, before you have a sense of free will, before you can logically think through things and you're not governed only by emotions and knee-jerk reactivity regarding emotions, meaning when you're a child and a baby. <laughs> You know, this is complicated by the fact that when you are born, you are actually vibrating things from other lives. You are vibrating the residues, the emotional responses, and in fact, the beliefs attached to the emotions, and those are karmas, beliefs attached to emotions, to traumas, to pain, to grief, to loss, to sorrow, anger, resentment, bitterness, all the kinds of emotions that can be hard to deal with, that can take us over and take us out of our linear logical minds assumption that we can always be productive and if we're productive we're good there's things that trip us up emotions so you in part have developed the narrative about who you are your brain has developed the narrative about who you are because of what has happened to you in other lives that has vibrated things to you when you were too young to make free will choices most of my work with individuals in client sessions and coaching sessions and energy work and all this and guiding people through the process of becoming more conscious and sane and grounded and, and leaving, you know, painful crap behind and embracing, you know, reality, you know, not the truth of who you are because of what you expect will happen to you, but actually what's happening and dealing with life in an intentionally conscious way, <clears throat> you know, intuitive, grounded, open, heart open, fully embodied. Most of my work on those planes is in helping people unwind and release the narrative because it's not actually true about you, but because it's stuff has kept coming to you, it seems as if it is the truth of who you are. So back to the title here, you don't know what it's like. Well, <clears throat> I, I don't know what it's like for you meaning I haven't experienced what you've experienced, but you also haven't experienced what I've experienced. You are powerfully creating through vibrational resonance past life pains to repeat themselves now, so you have the opportunity to see the power in going from fear, pain, and despair into faith, love, acceptance, compassion, which is the arc of every human journey, again. I mean, I'm saying it again, but it's also in every life, again and again and again, this is the arc of every human journey. The, the, the uh, potential arc that you can trace with your life, you can describe through making self-interested, self-respecting choices to come out of fear and pain into faith and acceptance. So you don't know what it's like. Yeah, that, that's true. But, but do you need to hold on to the, an identity because of something that's happened to you, because you powerfully vibrated it into your life with your soul's intention to learn to overcome the pain and the fear. Do you need to identify now as what, essentially, as what happened to you in some other life that was hurtful? This is all about a perspective shift about who you are 
and why things have happened to you, who you should be, who you were supposed to be, who you have been, who you will be, because, you know, because your brain will identify, will create the future in terms of the past carried forward into the present. And so you don't know what it's like. Okay, well, who are you choosing in this moment to be? Is the question I ask you, anybody who says that. In this moment, what identity have you chosen? And it's imperative, if we're going to grow, that we learn to objectively evaluate those parts of us who carry the identities, which is why the chakra course and the crystals are so important. To energetically interrupt the patterns, the crystals, so that you can consciously gain awareness of why things are actually happening, which is the chakra course part one. You are free to identify as that past, you know, that identity formed in the past. You are absolutely free to believe that you are what happened to you in the past. I was actually just thinking about this last night. I wasn't sure why, and I think there's, it's not for this conversation, but I think it, it's, there's an overlap, but I don't think this is, you know, this is a primary reason why I was thinking about it. But I, and I said to my girlfriend last night, yeah, I was thinking about this experience and I, I wasn't sure why. And I was thinking about um, when I lived in LA and I was looking for work because this, I didn't have confidence. This is intuitive astrology stuff would support me. And I was dealing with uh, lots of stuff. I was dealing with the death of my dad and all of the kind of identity stuff related to that and not feeling loved by him. So therefore I felt like life wasn't supportive. So I wasn't manifesting, you know, a, making a living through the work I love. Uh, and shortly after that I have, and for the last seven years, this is, you know, more than seven years, this has been my full-time work, but, but in that kind of, um, growing pain process, um, I couldn't find office work until I did. And it was this absurd situation. I'll explain in some other podcast. <laughs> it was completely ridiculous. You won't even believe it when I tell you. Anyway, um, for the last five months, I lived in LA and then I got fired from this other job and I left. Well, well, that was the second time I'd been fired. The first time was months prior, uh, earlier in the year in, uh, 2009. And, uh, or maybe it was actually, I think it was actually Thanksgiving of 2000, 2008. Sorry, I'm mixing up my years. Uh, so prior to this, this other job, and it was being hired by a pet sitting service, like a house sitting, but pet sitting. So, so somebody goes on vacation, they don't want to put their animal in a kennel. So they, they hire the service to pay an individual to stay over at the house. And you have like, you know, a list of rules and they tell you where the food is and the emergency contact and all this stuff. And you stay with the animals. And um, you can't, like, request cats, which I totally would have requested. I've even done that before where I gave a cat daily injections for an illness. And that was, like, fucking traumatic for me, <laughs> giving a scared cat needle injections. Every anyway, anyway, so so this first job, and I, and, I, and I got along fine with the owner, and it was near my house, and everything was great. And then the first job was with the – for the this uh, couple who had uh, – who was, who had left, you know, was leaving town and, and, uh, they had two dogs and one was under a year old and frankly, an emotional wreck. And the other one was older and more stable. 
so I got all the info and got the tour of the house and did all this stuff and met the people briefly and got the keys. And this one dog couldn't, and it was a just giant puppy. I mean, it was huge. Could not uh, deal with not having physical touch and eye contact. So this dog made it impossible to sleep because this giant puppy who was almost as big as me was on top of me, pushing into me, sighing because of the frustration because I kept closing my eyes to go to sleep and nothing I did. Anyway, so it was a really messed up scenario. And the other one was pretty chill, but bigger than that dog. So it was like, a, anyway, so going for a walk with the dogs was almost impossible. We had to do it one at a time and fight because they were crazy. Anyway, so after the first day, I think the, the owner into the owner of the business, not the homeowners intuitively got that, um, something was wrong and she called me and I was fine, but maybe there was an edge of my voice, whatever. Maybe I sounded frustrated. Anyway, she pulled me from the job and fired me. And I was like, that's weird because I was doing it fine. It was under a lot of pressure and it was hard, but I was doing it right. You know, it was fine. There was no problem, but I got fired from it. It was the first time I'd been fired from something. If memory serves, I'm feeling Neptunian now. I might, well, that was the only time I was fired from something. A part of me says you're wrong. Anyway, I got to, I'll think about that later. Um, I wasn't so upset that I got fired because it was a relief because this dog was crazy. This dog was like, again, reflecting to me something about me, which was this unrest and emotional neediness, right? So I got paired with this job. I was probably guided, you know, I was attracted to that opportunity for the pet sitting thing because I needed to have that revealed to me yet again, that I was emotionally needy and couldn't rest because I didn't feel safe and secure and nobody could make me feel safe, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, not coincidentally, my dad died pretty, you know, just before that, you know, and so I had to deal with all that. So it was still up. So having that kind of experience with that dog was, was kind of, you know, I understand now is uh, exactly how life works. Energetic resonance, what you need to see about yourself comes to you in some manifest form and then you're dealing with it. So I didn't identify as any problem because I got fired from a job, which for my 10th house south node in the in my astrology chart, you don't get fired from jobs. You have actually pride in your work. You don't, you know. But then that other job, I actually kind of worked my ass off in this five months five month office job, and it was impossible. And I got fired for a basically baloney reason, but everything was set up against me, and I worked for psychopaths. Um, anyway. Anyway, so that, but by the second job getting fired, I did have the identity. I cried when they did it. In retrospect, I see the part of me, and this was, you know, mid-2009. It was like August of 2009 that I moved to Tucson in September. Because during that five-month period, my guides told me I would do well in Tucson. And I said, oh, sure, whatever. And then I got fired, and I was like, oh, oh I guess it's the right time to move. So I picked up and left. Um, and have been in Tucson ever since. But, uh... I did identify as somebody who'd been fired. I had some shame about that because it was office work. It wasn't just dog sitting that was a bad fit to the, in the beginning, you know, to, to begin with. So anyway, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what I've been through. Well, um, you know, nobody knows what it's like to grow up the way I did. And I don't know what it's like to grow up the way they did. But here's the key to all of this. This, 
it's a long tangent, but here, here's the key to all of this. It's true I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what it felt like. But but I'm going to choose to be, you know, sympathetic. I am empathic, empathetic. Um, I'm compassionate. I recognize that your unique human experience has shaped you. So you don't ever need to defend your identity of your pain or woundedness or powerlessness or disempowered thing or you lost or you had shame or guilt or you got fired and felt like an idiot. You know, you don't ever have to defend that against me because I look at you as a divine being going through a process. The process is precisely the same for all of us, for each of us. But the contours and the details of the experiences are unique. I respect that from the outset. This is why I teach evolutionary astrology the way I do, to teach the karmic story, how to understand what the soul's journey is about. You know, why I teach astrology as a living, breathing language and not, you know, you're a Capricorn, so you're serious. You know, <laughs> you know, not, uh, you know, Pluto in your chart is not important because it's a generational influence. No, no, no. Your emotional experience over many lives matters, and Pluto is central to that. So all of us would benefit ourselves and each other, would step into more compassion and caring if we began every day, and then as it becomes habit, just live this way, with an assumption and an acceptance that everybody has his or her own story, and we don't know what that is. And even to take this further, as far as the evolutionary multi-life stories go, if you look at my biography in this life, if I look at your biography in this life, certain themes from many lives, respectively, of, of each of us respectively, will be apparent. But the details that actually shape your choices, the things that bubble up from the unconscious, the emotions, the energies, and the beliefs wrapped around them, we can't see. So if you look at my life as Tom Jacobs, this white kid born to a Jewish family in a small town, constantly being singled out as a Jew, <laughs> and my mom, my mom with her amazing Pluto and Leo in the 10th, as well as Chiron and Leo in the 10th, went out of her way to bring educational programs about Judaism into our school so others would understand, which just made us seem even more outsiderish because we were those Jewish kids. Anyway. <laughs> Mom went out of her way to attempt to make it better in a, in a Pluto Chiron Leo 10th house way. And it was better. But yeah, to my kid self, it looked like it made it worse because we weren't, we couldn't be anonymous. We, we stood out so much. Anyway, well, there's my 10th house south note on that Jewish kid. But anyway, um, um, you'd, you would never guess that a huge part of how I make decisions is because of pain from other lifetimes of slavery. You would not guess that. If you look at my chart, you might see symbols to that effect. You might see contours of a story about feeling disempowered and, and punished or feeling trapped, you know, put in a small box and not having the perception of not having free will. You would see that in my birth chart if you looked at it like I teach astrology. So knowing that about myself, that you would never guess 
you would never guess that what actually drove most of the decisions in my life has been a sense of powerlessness because of other lifetimes of slavery that stand out. We have many, 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 many lifetimes, each of us. But those are the most, those are some of the most painful ones for me that, that, that call for and demand healing attention. You would not see that. So I know that I don't know what you've been through. You might even say, well, this is in a session or in a social context. Well, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I was dealing with when I was a kid and it kind of shaped me and blah, 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 blah. I still don't know what's in your unconscious that's bigger than that. That's more impactful than that. So when you hear, you don't know what it's like. Yeah, of course not. But recognize that that person is holding on to an identity that has been derived, that has been shaped and derived, shaped by and derived from experience. And know that that person is in a particular, uh, person is in some phase of the spiritual journey in taking away power from the mind and giving it to the heart and the spirit to be aligned with what's true and how things really work in this dimension. Energetic resonance, whatever you've experienced, comes to you because you're vibrating, I need to resolve something about this kind of situation or this kind of dynamic, this kind of treatment, this particular kind of opportunity. So, yeah, I, I don't know what you've been through. I care about you as a person, but I don't know what you've been through. But I don't have a problem with you not knowing what I've been through. And that is kind of where this whole conversation goes to. Like I'm saying, yeah, assume you don't know what other people have been through. Let it be okay. And have compassion for them that they don't know what you've been through. Your process is for you. Your experience is for you because from every individual perspective, from every individual's perspective, I am the center of my universe. You are the center of yours. This is not solipsism. This is not narcissism. It's not selfishness. It is a recognition of the truth that your soul is a portion of divine consciousness seeming to separate itself through this, you know, discrete incarnation. You are an individual with your own wants and desires and, you know, whatever, skin color and history and fears and pains, whatever, desires, goals, dreams, whatever. You know, you are that unique individual, but it's really your soul has decided to appear as if a unique individual, to go through the process of being in pain and fear and doubt and shame and guilt and learning to empower the self through coming out of that stuff into faith, acceptance, compassion, generosity of spirit, love. So you are the center of your own universe. Everybody else is too, but this is meant for your empowerment journey and so we can respect each other's journey and connect. Because you're the center of your universe doesn't make you more important. It means that you have your own shit to deal with. You know, because that other person, you know, has to look out for number one doesn't mean you're not important. You have to validate yourself as I have to validate myself. 
That is the core of every spiritual journey. If you haven't had this experience, it's likely you've seen other, what I'm about to describe, it's likely you've seen others go through it. And it is when a person, you know, perhaps enters into some kind of crisis, dark night of the soul, conf being confronted with a, uh, an old trauma or a new trauma that must be dealt with and, and mar you know, resources, emotional resources and, and, and 3D time and energy attention resources have to be marshaled to deal with it. And the person goes inward on a reflective journey. It could last a few weeks. It probably lasts a few months or years. And there is a level of disconnection from others to whom the person has always been connected. Perhaps the person loses interest in a hobby and picks up a completely different one no one would ever expect. Same with a social circle or drops a bunch of relationships, including family, perhaps, and friends who are like family. Um, perhaps abandons a career, perhaps hits the road in the car with no home. You know, there, there, there's some kind of um, re complete reorientation that involves a lot of disconnection. We know the person has gone inward. It could be for prayer. It could be for psychoanalysis. You know, people could actually, during these times, you know, seek therapy or coaching with somebody like me and energy work and kind of consciousness work, you know, seeking a guru, seeking a teacher. And that person focuses on the self to what seems like the detriment of all relationships and worldly engagements. During that process, you might worry if it's not you, you might worry about that person. If it's you, somebody else might worry about you. But you are getting in those moments, and that person is getting in those moments, those the, that those periods, an orientation towards self-validation. Your experience is your own. Your process is your own. Your past is your own. The way that you interpret it is your own. And we have to unplug from others often in order to tap into a truth. Now, it, it does happen that we might tap into that sense of something that's true, and it's actually the linear logical mind's narrative that's disempowering and doesn't really serve us. It, it's possible to, to go in some inner process and come out on the other side uh, not loving, open, and spiritually you know, oriented. It's possible. It happens both ways. But anyway, we can't really get into the truth of our own journey if we're connected to a bunch of other people's opinions and un unwanted advice and ways of doing things and energies. So you are the center of your world. I'm the center of my world. I don't know what you've been through, but I'm listening. I care about you as a person. I, if you want to tell me something, tell me. You never have to defend your identities to me. As my job is to challenge those identities and help you see that what your brain has decided is capital T truth actually isn't, because you are a spirit. You are a soul living a human life for certain reasons. But as people, I'll listen to you, because this is what you're processing. This is what you're thinking. You don't have to defend, and I don't have to defend my experience to you or against you or your assumptions. So that is all for today. Thank you for your time and energy. I hope this has been useful and helpful. You can check out all of what I'm up to at tdjacobs.com, including 
The Divine Reflection, the four-day small group healing intensive in Tucson in April 2017. I've just uh, kind of announced, about to more officially announce, several deals and bonus stuff. If you register and pay in full by the end of January as an early bird bonus, you can check all that out at tgjacobs.com. There is now on the homepage, there's now a divine reflection link specifically, but it's also on the healing courses page. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.